Hey, this is Justin. I will warn you, it's going to be a little bit, a lot of background noise in here. I'm just holding my iPhone up to my mouth, so the audio quality is not going to be so great. And I'm going to ramble a little because I got a whole bunch of different ideas. But I want to talk about uh, some stuff that's been, I don't know, some didn't been working. And it's got a little bit of a work slant, a little bit of a personal slant. Um, and I guess we'll talk about more how kind of go about um, operating inside of my team. So I, uh, I lead a team. Uh, it's global. We've got four countries that um, I guess we'll call that global. And we make dashboards. And I, what we do doesn't necessarily make a difference for the purpose of the conversation. But there's a big charge for uh, allowing, causing, creating um, innovation, in, you know, in, inside of our company, and it's a requirement. So, here, it's a requirement. Here's a little bit of the approach um, that we have taken. So, I'll start talking about the people aspect of it first. Um, so, number one, what I, you know, we. Uh, we, we put transparency. I don't, I don't know what we put above everything else. We put transparency very up along line. Because um, transparency leads to, builds trust. And trust um, allows people to seize key moments when there's a serendipitous idea. If I have an idea, if I, had a brain, if I have a brainstorm. And look, I came up this morning. I was like, ah, oh, there's a lot of stuff that I want to say about what we're doing here. And... Um, you know, I'm going to share it, and if I didn't have trust from the people on the other side of like what my intentions were, um, the background of of competence and um, being able to produce results, this would get heard a lot differently and would get ignored. It still might get ignored, so that's fine. So there's you know building transparency and trust, which means you know nothing gets left unsaid in you know in in inside the team. And we close our loops, and uh, we have to have people operating at a certain level of safety. And most of the stuff I'll talk about is creating the healthy tension for stuff to actually happen. Um, number two, I believe the more and more I see in bottom-up innovation, especially in large organizations, having um, you know top-down innovation, you know, coming from more senior people down to lower people, as opposed to bottom people up to top people. Because here's what happens a lot at the senior levels of organization. There's a lot of responsibilities that are built in. We met with a CEO yesterday, you know, and his responsibilities are putting the board together, going out there and doing fundraising and, you know, all very important stuff, but not, you know, stuff that's required to basically keep the lights on, protect the company from attacks, you know, in the media you know, and all that stuff. I mean, that's basically what the CEO's job is. I also, I saw the CEO of Ryder speak at a conference a couple of, uh, years ago and you know what he said was he was the CEO of Ryder at that point in time he said you know when he took over you know he went to uh, his mentor or one of the board members and talked about all the stuff that he was going to do and basically the board member said you're not going to do any of that stuff what you're going to do is you're going to appoint eight people uh, to do that stuff trust them and you're going to be your whole life is going to be consumed with uh, you know firefighting and that sort of work so that's the you know, that's, that's the role of that person. So, um, and that's why, you know, there, so, so why it's more important to have that bottom-up uh, approach for innovation is because, one, people in the more junior organizations have less preconceived notions of where something can go. 
Uh, number two, and I'm talking, I work inside of a large organization, you know, um, you know, in the tens of thousands, so this might necessarily apply in some of the smaller organizations, but, you know, have more bandwidth, um, also less preconceived notions of where things are going to go. So a lot of projects kick off with, let's form a steering committee, let's get all the right people in the room, and then we pass down the results. How, what we've attempted to do as far as innovation, we've created something called uh, a jam session. And uh, I realized, I didn't realize it at the time, but I realize now that the title was stolen from uh, uh, Gary Vee and some of the work that he does. I didn't realize it when we actually created it, but that's all, uh, <laughs> it's all, uh, all good in that sense. We want to give credit where credit's due. Where I, ideas are presented. Uh, they're presented in a one-minute format. And I'll talk about the format in a second here. Uh, they're presented in a one-minute format. And people get to share their ideas. And we came up with a scoring system. Um, the scoring system is based on something that I learned from Ed Dale, um, you know, around copywriting. And uh, I can't remember, he learned it from, I think he learned it from Agora. Agora created originally. So that's a way for quickly for people to, one, get their ideas out there and to get feedback on their ideas. Um, the other thing that we model this on is uh, my favorite uh, comedy show. It's a live comedy show where uh, the world's best comedians are in uh, on a panel and anybody in the public gets to put their name in the bucket and they get picked for the bucket and they do one minute of stand-up comedy and then they get interviewed they get feedback you know on, you know on their comedy or they get interviewed and you know the purpose you know the interview is what makes the show um, really funny so what happens is you get people who um, are doing comedy for the first time because it's a bucket list item. Uh, I actually happen to be one of those people as of last uh, Sunday. Or you've got people who are potential superstars. So there's a guy named Malcolm Hatchett in, um, uh, who did his one minute and it did incredible. And now he's kind of on the road to, uh, I mean, I want to say to the next level, he's, he's on the road to, you know, he's a professional comedian, he's a traveling comedian. And so everybody gets to start in the same place. Um, they get feedback and, it, you know, everybody starts on equal footing and I hate to say this this way, but I don't have a better analogy. The cream rises to the top. So that's, that's what happens. Um, and then everybody else goes off and gets, you know, and goes and does what they do. You know, I mean, you know, and, you know, ideas get activated and all of that good stuff. So you have the, uh, you have the, the jam session and then the ideas, and then you go to, you know, sign one people, maybe two people or three people. Um, or they self-assign just to go work on something, creating a proof of concept, and then you start marketing out you know, to people, start showing it to people and see what people actually bite on. So here's the big thing with the proof of concept. So how most things happen is here's a big, um, you know, here's a big initiative, we're pushing this down, we have meetings, we want to make sure we get this right, blah, 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 opinions, politics. Like, if you don't have politics in an organization, you can do anything. Uh, but once you get to a certain size of organization, it's almost impossible not to have the politics. And then it gets pushed down. In other words, you have one or two people working on it. They create a proof of concept. And you start showing the proof of concept around. And you assume that most things are going to fail. Because 99.9% of things are going to fail at some level anyway. And, um, and sometimes you get surprised that something takes on a life of its own. Or the proof of concept is like, hey, this is good. But we're going to, you know, I like what you're doing. But I don't like the idea. Or I like the idea. But I don't like you. Or whatever it is. Or we do this tweak. Or what happens a lot of times is, oh, this is something actually similar that we are working on, but you have something to show and then you keep working that way. So um, the other thing that we've started doing, so we, we build dashboards, we started training 
uh, you know, we started creating educational pathways for people to, for everybody to become a developer and so everybody to do their job. So, whereas, you know, if you look at any sort of highly technical job, you know, there's a specialist in, in that job. You want to start democratizing that sort of work. So the whole idea is to get, you know, the fewest number of people you know, working on something individually, but sharing it out, marketing in a way where a lot of people get impacted by it. So the way that you do it is you, uh, you have people trained to start to create um, some of that more complex work, or you give them the opportunity, you give them the pathway, and some pathways are clear, some pathways are not clear, you give them the pathway to start to uh, create that work. So what that does is now everybody gets to start to... Uh, Everybody gets to start to develop and everybody gets to start to create. And uh, what you put on top of that, which we haven't done at this point, we, we haven't done yet, but we're starting to think about is you have some way to start to certify, uh, you know, the stuff that's useful. So everybody gets to build something. You know, they're makers, they're practice, they're building proof of concepts. But as long as, you know, there's some way to identify, hey, this is something that somebody built in their theoretical basement or built by themselves not so great, you know what I'm saying, not necessarily been certified buyer beware, and here's something that's actually, you know, been through the formal process and blah, 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 and all that stuff. Now you start to have some of the greatest stuff um, get, get, get created. So as far as the team goes, so my team's been at this for about four years. We're at, if you know the, the, the scale of, you know, unconscious incompetence to unconscious competence. Um, as an organization, we are probably at, you know, as far as developing individual dashboards we're at this we're at the um the level of unconscious competence you know we've seen it enough we've done it enough um unconscious competence yeah so you know it's very easy so when you get to that phase or even before you get to that phase basically my whole job is to get the organization to the level of unconscious competence you know where there's some training that needs to be done to fill some holes we do that but then my the rest of my job is basically looking to put the team out of business and so this is another item that was stolen from, or actually borrowed from Gary Vaynerchuk. He's like, you're going out of business one way or the other. The question is, are you going to put yourself out of business or is somebody else going to put yourself out of business? So organizationally, that's what I do with the team. I look at what they're working on right now, making sure they're trained up to to create, um, so the lights stay on, to create the best stuff that they can. And then on the back end, uh, what I do is um, look for, and spend most of the time looking for ways to put what we are doing out of business, looking for people who are doing it better inside the organization, looking for solutions that basically, um, you know, with the same amount of effort or, or, or less effort can, can uh, wipe out everything that we're doing. And, you know, we call it 10x improvement. You know, that's, I don't necessarily, you know, we just kind of always go for that 10x swing for the fences and the home runs. And so a lot of the things that I think um, the, and then uh, this is another uh, uh, drainers of creativity, you know, allowing people to to be creative. So, I think the two number three major drains of of productivity. One is politics. Politics is a tough. Like, you know, everybody says I hate politics, and um, you know, inside large organizations, we're, we're tough. To, we're tough to deal with. You know, have to deal with that. But here's the thing: um, most politicking and ineffective behavior, and this is a pure opinion, um, done over email. Um, or in meetings. So if you start to minimize the amount of time that people are in meetings and on email, 
you'll start to be able to eliminate some of the politics. Now, here's some of the shortcomings of this approach and some of the ways that you'll attack it. Like, you don't necessarily, you don't, everybody doesn't, you know, if you don't have a meeting, everybody's not aware of what you're actually um, doing. The fact is, the more people are going from meeting to meeting, even if they have awareness of it, having awareness of something and not being able to do anything about it is a problem. And then, so it comes down to, do you trust your people or do you not trust your people? Uh, But, you know, and then that's where there's some time and attention. A lot of attention is focused, you know, you take off that overhead of awareness up front of what's actually happening and um, you put into people developing the the proof of concept and you have have the marketing of... um, you know, the, the, the marketing of the material, you know, marketing of what's actually going on. And remember, nothing really gets, you know, nothing can really do that much damage um, because it's going to go through a certification process before it starts impacting a lot of people. And if somebody can market their stuff that's not so great ahead of time, that, you know, then, um, uh, you know, that, that is a skill set that can be harnessed and maybe, you know, pulled into the rest of the organization. I don't know if that's making any sense. So, um, and then there's just, you know, other people don't know what's actually going on. You know, my job is just basically keeping my, you know, everybody who, you know, need, you know, everybody who could potentially be impacted in a positive way or in a negative way, make them, you know, aware. And then sometimes just realizing sometimes we're going to misstep. Sometimes we're going to make mistakes. And, you know, sometimes things are going to happen that aren't necessarily going to, to work. Oh, so I think the other thing they started to realize if you have a defensive, you know, a defensive, and, and, you know, the work that I do is, you know, controls based and a lot of protection based, but you have to, you know, you know, start taking a more offensive approach um, to that sort of work to have an impact. Because if you play a defensive approach, you've got a very small needle of success. Like, you know, we can have zero issues. You can have zero issues, you know, zero tolerance for X, Y, and Z. That winds up consuming so much of the time, which is great. You pr- and, um, and when people are only thinking about that getting down to the zero, it usually comes with a fear of, you know, that one happening and there can necessarily be an issue. So, uh, I will listen to this. If you've listened to this so far, thank you. Uh, thank you so much for you know, listening. We'll start turning in this into ideas, but the whole idea of this is to get an idea that's rattling around inside the head out into the public, you know, are out, out of the head into the world and then seeing if it's, you know, something that's uh, worth approaching and working through. Thanks so much. Have a great day.